We are studying Hebrews chapter 10 here on the Radio Bible Course, and we welcome you to this verse-by-verse study. I'm reading again from verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 10. We invite you to follow along in your Bibles. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices which are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? If the worshippers had once been cleansed, they would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices... There is a reminder of sin year after year, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. The nagging problem of a guilty conscience regarding sin is revived every time the believer in Christ measures himself by the law. We need to look at the finished work of Jesus Christ and rejoice that never again need a sacrifice be made, because our consciences have been cleansed by the once-for-all death of Jesus Christ, because he paid everything and God is satisfied. Think of it. Would you want Christ to come back and be crucified again for your sins, and again and again? Of course not. He agonized in his death for us once. He paid an awful penalty to save us from our sins. And his one sacrifice did what all the tens of thousands of sacrifices on Jewish altars could never accomplish. He cleansed our conscience. Now, there are some Christians who still have a guilty conscience. It's because they haven't been taught these wonderful things that we read here. As a believer in Christ's work for you, you should never apply the legal standard of the Old Testament to measure your behavior. That can only result in more guilt and condemnation, and that's precisely what the law was designed to do. Romans 5.20 says the law came in to increase the trespass. And one of the reasons why people who have believed in Jesus Christ still have a guilty conscience is that they are fooling around with Moses' law, which was designed to condemn. Paul referred to that whole age as the dispensation of condemnation, and it was. Now, these opening passages of Hebrews chapter 10 imply that the believer is aware that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient since it satisfied the Father's righteousness. And therefore, the believer's conscience is troubled no more about the penalty of sin. Christ bore that for him. F. F. Bruce points out that in those years just prior to the temple's destruction, quote, there were many pious Jews who participated in the sacrifices according to the law, unquote, yet realized that this was not the means by which sin could be removed. That fact comes from R.A. Stewart's book on rabbinical theology, and Bruce adds this, quote, The relatively easy adaptation of the Palestinian synagogue to the new conditions after the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., shows that the insufficiency of animal sacrifices 
had been widely grasped. But for some reason, many people today hesitate to believe that, perhaps because of our own standard of self-righteousness. We fear that. We also fear that we might be taking advantage of a good thing. Friends, it is not presumption to accept the full payment of sin when God tells us we should. That's a matter of faith. And anything less is doubting, and doubting God is sin. Believing God for this fantastic remedy does not promote more sin. It promotes gratitude and thanksgiving to God, which pleases Him tremendously. If we won't accept the remedy for the problem of a condemning conscience, we will be like the Hebrews of chapter 6, who turned back to Judaism's rituals for a solution. They thought that Christ's sacrifice was not enough for them, but God said that it was. Whenever a believer in Christ refuses to accept the purging of the conscience by Christ, he will be in danger of being victimized by every useless experience that clever men and women can dream up. Why do so many people think that maybe some mysterious experience can help this sin problem and make them feel cleansed and fit for heaven? One reason is that they don't believe God's declaration that Christ's one offering has perfected them forever. For some reason, we don't want to believe such an astounding statement. Neither will we hold to the word that declares that we have been baptized by the Spirit. Every believer has been baptized by the Spirit into the body. That's 1 Corinthians 12:13, And that happens when we believe. Our problem is not an insufficient experience. It's a lack of faith. We just won't believe God. If you are still troubled with the guilt of sin, you are no different from the Old Testament Jews. They had guilt too. You have a lot in common. But a cleansed conscience is a great benefit. It's a great benefit of the new covenant which God intended for your peace of mind. If Jesus did not, by his single sacrifice on the cross, make provision for your guilt and consciousness of sin, when will he do it? Read chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. Listen to it. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. This passage speaks of the completeness of Christ's work for us. We need no longer fear sin's condemnation. When we do sin, and we do, we are told to confess, not to condemn ourselves. We instead look to the cross and thank God that Christ died for that sin also and every sin that'll come up in your future. Now, this chapter of Hebrews is teaching us that the believer is to have no more consciousness of the fear and accountability of sin. There is no judgment in his future. And Paul 
wrote to the Romans and pointed out that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation is the same as the word for judgment. Now we come to verses 3 and 4 of Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, But in these sacrifices, referring to the Old Testament animal sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Well, if the animal sacrifice couldn't take away the sin, and they had to repeat it, obviously, they weren't taken away. Could animal sacrifices take away sin? No, they couldn't. They could only cover it and delay God's judgment. And God is merciful. He provided animal sacrifices as a means for people to learn about his grace. God waited, and he is still waiting, for men to believe in the one who ended all sacrifices. It tells us that the blood of animals could not take away sins. Why did he say that? Because Christ's sacrifice did. Those Hebrews failed to comprehend the superiority of what Christ did as the new covenant mediator. And in connection with that new covenant, God said in the Old Testament, and it's repeated in the New, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The Old Testament sacrifices were a reminder of sin. You and I who believe also have a reminder, but it's a reminder of forgiveness by the crucified one. And Jesus wants us to remember that sin was taken care of, and he gave us the practice of communion, or you might call it the Lord's Supper. He said, this do in remembrance of me. When we take that bread, we remember that the bread represents his body, which was given for us, and his blood, which was shed for our sins. But nothing that we do physically can help a spiritual problem. Moral corruption cannot be removed by any material ritual, such as an animal sacrifice. Why then have sacrifices? To foreshadow a future spiritual reality. And that's why God gave the law and the system of sacrifices. Even David, who lived 1,000 years earlier, that is, 1,000 years before Christ, was aware of an inward reality which was of far more value than animal sacrifices. He wrote in Psalm 51, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The author of this book of Hebrews, next turns to Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8, which he quotes here, to express how Christ performed complete obedience to the Father. And this was the desired sacrifice that God wanted of his Son. Well, he wanted it of him, and he wanted it of us. Unfortunately, you and I were born in sin, and we can't give complete obedience There's nothing perfect about us at all, but Christ was without sin. The only way he could become that kind of a person was to be born of a virgin, 
If he had been born the natural way, then he would have had sin and could not perform complete obedience to the Father. So in verse 5, we read this. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, quote, Sacrifices and offerings thou hast not desired, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings thou hast taken no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O God, as it is written of me in the roll of the book. That's a quotation from Psalm 40. We'll continue this topic in our program tomorrow. I'll be here and I hope you'll join me. I suppose most people go to church because they hope they'll get salvation. We not only want salvation, but it would be great if we could be guaranteed of it. Well, we can. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans 4.16. That is why it depends on faith, that the promise might rest on grace and be guaranteed. Friends, we could have no guarantee of eternal life if it depended on our efforts, but since salvation rests on grace, which means an unearned gift, it can be guaranteed, and God is standing behind that guarantee. But unlike man's guarantees, this guarantee from God does not have any limitations. Now, I've been reading these thoughts from a booklet we published entitled Grace. It will inform you about the wonderful grace of God, and we want you to have a copy of it right today for the free grace booklet. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.